What can the Marvel film Iron Man teach us about the war on terrorism? Hi, this is Phil Gersky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada, and you're listening to Quick Hits. Continue this aperiodic series on looking at the Marvel films when it comes to the subject of national security and terrorism. Today's episode is about Iron Man. This is the first Iron Man film, which I believe dates back to 2008, if memory serves me correct. Of course, it uh, introduces Robert Downey Jr. as the character of Iron Man. You get to see how he created the character, the circumstances, etc. What I found fascinating in rewatching this series. Uh, rather this movie for the first time in many years was that it actually had something interesting to say about a war on terrorism so the plot begins with tony stark played by robert downey jr and he is a weapons manufacturer he owns stark industries which he inherited from his father howard stark stark is in afghanistan he's about to do a demonstration of his latest weaponry for the u.s army a missile he calls the jericho missile spectacular scene where he he fires the missile and you see this in massive explosions in the background of the mountains pretty impressive display of firepower and of course he wants to sell these munitions to the u.s military he is in a convoy leaving that particular demonstration when one of the vehicles hits an ied an improvised explosive device and the soldiers who were supposed to be keeping him safe are all shot by well i'm guessing it's the, the taliban and or the so-called Afghan Arabs. I'll get back to that in a second. He himself is wounded. One of, one of his own weapons explodes. It sends shrapnel into his chest. He finds himself in a cave being captured by these insurgents. Use that term loosely. And long story short, his life is saved by inserting a device in his chest that keeps the shrapnel from entering his heart and killing him. Connected to a car battery. The insurgents want him to build them a Jericho missile that can, that can be used against the United States forces in Afghanistan. And he instead, he makes the Iron Man uniform and he escapes. And then the rest of the movie is, is probably as you remember it. Don't change any settings. What's going on? Contact landing! What do we got? Jimmy, today was star. What I found really interesting about the Iron Man film was the, what I would say, the accurate portrayal of a lot of what happened in Afghanistan in the 2000s. In the wake of 9-11, the Bush administration decided that the perpetrators, or the planners rather, of the 9-11 terrorist attacks were all in the Afghan area, i.e. Osama bin Laden and his Al-Qaeda cohort, and therefore the Americans authorized a huge military deployment to... uh, locate bin laden bring him to justice and basically destroy the al-qaeda network that was responsible for not just that terrorist attack but a terrorist attack a year earlier on the uss cole in aden harbor in yemen as well as a whole host of terrorist attacks throughout the 1990s in that of course canada was a participant as were other nato partners north north atlantic treaty organization and we now see you know 20 years later 
the uh, still the presence of, of a large contingent of U.S. forces, albeit the Trump administration, soon to be the Biden administration, is negotiating peace with the Taliban and the Afghan government to foresee the withdrawal of U.S. forces, finally, after two decades in Afghanistan. But let's get back to the movie. What did I find was realistic about it? Interestingly, a lot of the conversation that is held between Stark and his captors is in Urdu. Now, Urdu is the main language spoken in Pakistan, which I think is an accurate reflection of the fact that many of the foreign fighters, as we, as we label them, that were part of Al-Qaeda and part of other insurgent groups in Afghanistan in the 1980s and 90s were, in fact, from Pakistan. So I think that's a fairly accurate rendition of, of the reality on the ground. Some of the other captors were Arabs. They spoke Arabic. And these were the infamous Afghan Arabs, a whole host of thousands of people from dozens of Middle Eastern countries who went to Afghanistan beginning in the 1980s to fight against the then Soviet invaders. Recall that the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan on Christmas Day in 1979 to prop up a puppet communist government and found themselves in a quagmire fighting against we in the West certainly called freedom fighters back then. And this, of course, was this led to the creation of Al-Qaeda. In the 1980s, Bin Laden was one of the early freedom fighters, and he created a terrorist group we now call Al-Qaeda. Therefore, the presence of Arabic-speaking people in Tony Stark's bunch of captives is also realistic. The one thing I didn't find very realistic it was at one point there's an allusion to two of the guards who were keeping uh, an eye on Stark and his fellow captive were speaking Hungarian. I'm not saying it's impossible. Certainly, there were people from uh, many, many countries around the world who joined the effort in Afghanistan in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. I've never heard of Hungarian foreign fighters. That's not to say they weren't any. I found it strange that the producers elected to choose a Hungarian foreign fighter as opposed to, let's say, I don't know, a French one or a German one or an English-speaking one from North America or from the United Kingdom or Australia. Again, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but eh. To me, that stood out as something that wasn't quite as reflective of, of the situation as I understand it. Simple farmers and herders from peaceful villages have been driven from their homes, displaced from their lands by warlords, emboldened by a newfound power. Villagers have been forced to take shelter in whatever crude dwellings they can find in the ruins of other villages. The other part about Iron Man when it comes to terrorism was to illustrate the complexities and the, and the problematic nature of the U.S. military deployment to Afghanistan in the wake of 9-11. We know that the Bush administration really had no choice. I mean, 3,000 people had just died in the attacks in Washington and New York and on that fourth plane that was brought down by the passengers outside of Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Not to send a response to try and find the perpetrators and the planners would have been completely unacceptable to the American people and the American electorate. In that way, I think Bush's hand was forced. The problem is that the deployment to Afghanistan in two, late 2001 or 2002 was the beginning of the what we call the War on Terrorism, of which we are now in year 20, well, basically it's been two decades since the War on Terrorism was announced. I have written and commented uh, prodigiously and frequently about the fact that this war on terrorism is just a, is an unfortunate term that we really need to get rid of because it places our counterterrorism response in the framework of it being primarily a military one. And as I wrote in my book, An End to the War on Terrorism in 2018, I believe it was, there are other types of counterterrorism responses that do not involve the military. In fact, I have argued that the military, albeit there is a, there is a 
justifiable role for the military in counterterrorism, it shouldn't be the primary one. And I think by using terms like war, we then we kind of force a frame onto this whereby we're seeing it as a military response to a political ideological problem. And as we've seen 20 years later, the military can't solve this one. The Americans and their allies in Afghanistan uh, have not solved the problem of terrorism amongst the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, as well as an Islamic State affiliate called Islamic State in Khorasan in the eastern part of Afghanistan. The American military, in their ill-guided move into Iraq in 2003, didn't solve the problem of terrorism in Iraq. In fact, it created one, created an Al-Qaeda in Iraq affiliate, which then morphed into Islamic State or ISIS. The military hasn't solved the problem in Somalia. It hasn't solved the problem in Nigeria, despite promises every year by Nigerian presidents. This is the last year of Boko Haram, 15 years and counting. Boko Haram shows no signs of ebbing. We're seeing the same thing in the Sahel and other parts of the world. The other thing that comes out quite strongly, I think, in the Iron Man film, when it comes to the war on terrorism, is the unintended consequences of civilian casualties. A lot of the weaponry that uh, Stark was providing to the U.S. military and to its Afghan allies found its way into the hands of the terrorists, into the insurgents. There's a lot of scenes where we find the bad guys using Stark equipment to uh, essentially uh, kill Afghan civilians, and I'm sure U.S. soldiers and their allies as well. This is the other unintended consequence of seeing this through a military lens. Lots of civilian casualties, many of which are either unreported or underreported or flatly denied. This is a consequence of seeing war, or rather seeing counterterrorism, as primarily a military problem to solve. It's not. So I think that the Iron Man films really demonstrates, I think quite clearly, that uh, the use of the military in counterterrorism operations has to be constrained. I personally don't have a lot of issues with with airstrikes, provided they are very carefully planned and very carefully carried out so that only the bad guys get whacked and not civilians, as has happened all too often. Again, another Marvel film, which I think popular culture, which lends us a little bit of, of an insight into what, what counterterrorism is all about. And before I go, I do want to share with you uh, my version of a theme song for Iron Man. I've just made this up, and his theme song is based on the Spider-Man theme song. So I, you know, I remember way back in the 1960s, there was a Spider-Man cartoon in which the theme went something like this: Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. I'll put a link to it in in the podcast. So here's my version of the Iron Man theme song. Ready? Iron Man, Iron Man does whatever an iron can. Presses close with his arm. Keeps us all safe from harm. Look out. Here comes the Iron Man. What do you think? Is it catchy? Should the Marvel and slash Disney producers use this theme song for Iron Man 3? Yeah, probably not. eh? It's it's not very clever. In other words, I probably shouldn't quit my day job, right? I shouldn't stop talking about terrorism, national security, and, and try to make it my living as a creator of jingles for Marvel movies. Okay, okay, I get it. I won't do it again. But before I leave you today, of course, I'm going to leave you with the Hardy Boys Pearl of Wisdom from the Hardy Boys Guide to Life. And here it is. This comes from the Great Airport Mystery. When taking surveillance photos from an airplane, it is best to do it when the sun is directly overhead. That way, there won't be any shadows from the trees or any other objects beneath you. So for those of you involved in counterterrorism, where you're taking pictures from above, 
make sure you do so when the sun is at its highest to avoid shadows. That's great advice from the Hardy Boys. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, I'm going to announce that there's sponsors of these podcasts from now on. And today's podcast is sponsored by the Prekroner, which is the Swedish national hockey team. That's what I think about the war on terrorism. What do you think? Love to hear from you. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like this content want to get more, go to my website, borealisthreatenrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button, provide your email address, you'll get a free daily digest. First thing in the morning, all the podcasts, all the blogs, as well as unique content, which only subscribers get. Love to hear from you. What do you think of Iron Man? What do you think of the Marvel series? Does it have any relevance for national security? Drop me a line. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.